Hi guys, good to be back in your ear. I've been doing interviews and editing and then I've been doing videos and editing those like crazy. I've been getting a lot of creative downloads and I'm really excited to share. Hi, my name is Jacqueline and I am the founder and host of the Mediapreneur Podcast. This is a place where we highlight women of color who are entrepreneurs and creatives and we talk about transformation from that place of feeling stuck to taking action on your dreams. If you follow me on Instagram, and if you're not, make sure that you do, you may know that, or I believe I've mentioned it here as well, that I did a webinar with Gigi on telling our stories out loud. And it went really amazing. We got great feedback and because of it, we actually did an IG live and then I did a response video to a wonderful woman who emailed us and was just so transparent and vulnerable about feeling lost. And most importantly, it really inspired me and motivated me to launch a course that I've had in my mind and in my heart for a while now. I'll be sharing more about that in the near future. So like I said, make sure check those videos out and if you're not already following me make sure that you do now let's get into the interview today's magic mujer magic woman is jaleesa cypress i actually found her through a past guest and let me tell you when the universe connects you to the right people at the right time it's actually pure joy because your soul just feels answered and it brings such peace to any questions that you may have had I say that because in this episode, uh, Jalisa talks about being a powerful woman and what that really means and charging what you're worth as someone who is maybe starting a business, but I think more so for those aspiring uh, spiritpreneurs. And what I mean by that is healers, um, teachers, astrologers, you know, etc. This episode is about more than just charging an hourly rate, but about looking at the energy that you are putting out and I think that that is so important and I think this episode is also for people that you know that might not really be their thing right now but I think it's definitely for people to learn how to own our power right as a woman and as always much much more Yeah, I think that, you know, as an astrologer, I really pay attention to cycles. And I think that that questioning of identity and who I am and what I'm worth happens uh, on a cyclical level, like every couple of years. And I think the last time I really remember it, because I feel like I'm going through that now in a lot of ways um, in that cycle now. But I think that the first time that happened was when I started to uh, have people pay for readings from me and really going through the idea of what that means to exchange monetary value for my service and, and how to relate, uh, how to understand my value in relationship to this like already sort of created system and how I fit into it and uh, especially with something that a lot of people don't like there's there's no guidebook on how to charge for sessions or how to put uh, a monetary value on your emotional 
labor and then also just the skill of being an astrologer and always still learning and when do you take that leap and really reaching out to other people other astrologers um not really having a lot of business people to reach out to but just like a lot of other people in my community and being like what is this and no one having the answer and i think that that transition taught me so much about how to trust myself and about how to settle into that space of uncertainty and just sort of do it and get up every day and do it. And I think that especially with clients having client work, um, you have to show up to the session regardless because this person paid to be here. They're in, they're also in a space of transition and need. You know, I feel like everyone that I talk to in private sessions is in some sort of transition, whether that's a birthday transition or a work transition or a breakup or something like that. And so you have to show up for them. And so I sort of, um, I think that that accountability, that space of accountability in the work that I had uh, decided to embark on was really what helped to ground me um, during that process. And then the process that's happening now is sort of another blooming or, or blossoming that's, that's currently happening, that's coming from a lot of um, upheaval in my life and, and sort of like settling back in after a lot of shaking and, and unearthing of a lot of old things and a lot of new things. And uh, I think that my work, I feel like my clients always reflect back to me what's happening in my life and having to give people advice helps me to also follow the advice that I give other people. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that's my best answer. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I like that you talked about with exchanging monetary value, I think a lot of the conversations that I'm, I'm starting to notice is around women asking for their worth, asking for raises or asking in business, you know, negotiation and all of that. And I think when we get into a space, when you're a person of service, right, when it's more of an, on a spiritual level, I think we hit a wall because in our in our culture or maybe even in our upbringing we're told oh you're not supposed to charge for these things right mm -hmm. we've gotten to a point where a lot of the healers spiritual workers you know we in this day and time we need to make a living right yeah. we need a living we need to be able to make this living not just for ourselves but for those we serve so definitely the times have changed so can you talk about coming to that point where you don't have, because things are changing, right? You can't go and, hey, there's a structure. This is how much you charge. It's a totally different space. Number one, it sounds like you want to get to that point where you know that you have to charge. And number two, what is the cost of that? And how do you monetize this? How do you come up with, with systems and structures for you to navigate through this new business and continue to do what you've been put here to do? but also to make a living, right? So that you can continue doing it. How did you come to that realization? And what does that look like for you now? How did I come to the realization around what I should be charging or how to create that monetary value system? Yes. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, both. Yeah, I think, um, I think different entrepreneurs have different understandings of this. You know, some people say like, look, go look at your, uh, quote unquote competitors or other people in your field and sort of like average it out or see like, you know, you could compare how long someone has been doing it to how long you've been doing it and then sort of like see it from there. And I, I think that none of those things actually are reflective of the amount of time and energy 
emotionally, spiritually, physically that I give to my sessions. I think having to figure out a number, I mean, every time I've raised my rates, it's because the amount of labor and the amount of spiritual presence that I was offering in those spaces was getting to be taxing on me in some way. Um, And I think that also, you know, around like spiritual practitioners, the reason these things traditionally weren't necessarily associated with monetary value was because healers were traditionally taken care of in communities. You know, they were, if you think about monks or like uh, witch doctors or other sorts of people, like they're taken care of by their community. Their offerings are food or shelter or whatever. And so I think now, like you were saying, in the system that we're currently under and currently in and doing this work within, within it, uh, you know, you have to do that for yourself and you have to sort of ask for those things or create those boundaries. And so I think for me, every time I increase my price, it was an increase in my boundaries and it was an increase in my understanding of my own worth of saying like, I need more of a, um, I need more of a recognition from this person of what I'm bringing to the table. And I think that, you know, when you, in my experience, when I see something and I think it's really great and like really beautiful and I think like, wow, this must be really expensive. And then I look and it's like cheaper than I expected. Then I question the quality of that thing. Or I, if I'm going into the same thing with like a, a service being like, oh, well, this person charges like nothing. Does that mean that their work isn't worth anything? And so I think having to grapple with that and think about what do I want people, how can money sort of reflect the sort of uh, seriousness I have about my work or dedication to my work and the quality of the service that I'm providing and also offer them, like, you know, how can the price be reflective of of the, yeah, I guess just like the quality of the experience that they will be having and the amount of time and attention and energy that they'll be gaining from me. Um, And so at first it was just sort of like what felt best to me. And that's always been the way that I set my rates. I think I never want to be out of range of accessibility um, or feel like, you know, it's astronomical or, that people would question, you know, because there's the opposite side of the spectrum as well. When something is way too expensive, we're like, oh, it must, there's no way that it could be worth that. And so there's this weird, happy medium uh, to sort of find. And I think that for me, it's really about like, what can I, what other sorts of things could I exchange for the value of like right now, um, of, of what I charge, like what else could I exchange for that sort of value? Could I buy myself a massage to like alleviate the, the physical tension or stress that I gain from the session? Would I be able to buy myself, um, the meals that I need and be able to take, you know, be able to not do as many sessions so that I can be fully present and just sort of take in all those factors, um, into the price. And, but I, yeah, I definitely don't think there's a, a specific science to it, which can be really frustrating, but also really empowering for us to say like, this is what I'm worth. This is what, you know, this is what value means to me. And this is how I value myself within that. And just being able to stand behind it with confidence. Talk to me about B 
because it isn't that clear, right? It isn't someone comes to you and you say, well, this is how I structured it. This is how I broke it down. This is, there's, there's something about you going with your feeling. And then you talk to us about trusting yourself and settling into that. How did you put in those practices? Was that something that was like a ritual for you? Did you sit down and journal? Like mm. you walk us through how that made sense for you? Because I think everyone's really an individual. And in the beginning, we don't know. So we go with other people. But then we start yeah. in our own work and our own value. And, and that, you know, for me, it's been through a lot of healing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of healing of my past beliefs of, of really owning my worth and healing past hurts. And somehow that correlated with my business and what I'm charging and owning that, hey, this is the work that I'm putting in and me feeling more valuable. I know that that really helped me to own who I am and the work that I do and how that's going to reflect in how I'm getting paid and how I'm showing up. Mm -hmm. How was that process um, for you? Did it have, I guess, talk to us about, did you journal? Like, did you meditate or did you speak with someone? Like, what did that look like for you? Yeah, I think that for me, it actually felt a little bit backwards. Like it wasn't me journaling and meditating and sort of like grappling with my worth to find that number. It was more like I sat down, I let myself get quiet and I thought, what, what feels best? What number feels best in my body for the experience that I have when I do this thing? And I let that number come through. And then it's sort of like backtracking from there. I was saying like, okay, well, what does this mean in reference to the price that I already have? What does this mean about my worth? What does this mean about um, what do I have to do now to make this worth it, right? Like, do I need to do more in my sessions? Do I need to offer more time? Do I need to do this and that? And so it's sort of like this backward um, process of then sort of like bridging the gap between where I was and where now my body and my intuition is telling me to go. And I think that in that in-between process, um, I think copywriting is actually something that's been really interesting. Like, because I think copywriting for me is about being as authentic as possible about what I can offer and how that's going to help somebody else. And I think that's been a really uh, empowering process to sort of get from where I, you know, monetarily where I was to where I then was um, like to what I was then asking for Um, because I was like, okay, well now I have to write about why, you know, and and not necessarily mentioning the money, but why is this, what, what's changing? What's changing about the way I'm framing this? What's changed, what's changed for me? Um, because if I'm changing my price, something has shifted. And so having to sort of think about how it speaks to my audience about that. Um, and, and then I think it's also a lot of like affirmation work um, and not so much about, not so much about overthinking and overthinking and obsessing over this transition, but dealing with the anxiety and uncertainty that comes with that. That's sort of a byproduct of it and doesn't always directly seem like it correlates. Like, you know, not, you know, when you first raise your rates, like not seeing sales or emails or something coming in and having to then like meditate and say affirmations and find ways to have fun and and get out of my head in my life to be able to come back to um, the place that 
the place where that number came through, which is that place of sort of um, being in divine alignment with myself and understanding what I truly need. Uh, so I, I think that a lot of the process, I think that the process is a little bit less linear for me, I would say, in that way. Has it always been that way for you? Like, have you always been uncomfortable, like, with the uncertainty? And how do you trust in those moments, especially if you're new and you have, like, bills to pay and, and that anxiety is coming up? Like, how do you navigate those two worlds where the mind is taking over? It's like, hey, we have these bills, um, these things are happening, but there's the other part of you that you know that you have to acknowledge and it knows more than the anxious part of you. <laughs> how do you navigate through that when these feelings are coming up? And how was it for you, like, the first time this happened? And how do you recognize it now? And how do you, like, deal with that? Yeah, I think I always try to come back to like why I'm doing this work and the impact that I have had on people and just trusting that if I am meant to do this work, those emails will come through, but they won't come through while I'm feeling this way. Mm. And so I think because I, I think that the universe never rewards us for a scarcity mindset, like the universe will never be like, oh, you, you're like really terrified to like pay your bills and, and you don't think that we're working for you. You don't think that there's something higher than you that's, that's, um, that's doing the work and like you're being really <laughs> impatient right now. Um, I don't think the universe is ever like, okay, well, we'll just like help you out. Like that's not, I don't think that that's how it works. That's never how it's worked for me. It's when I've been able to sort of relax into that place of the unknown that things start to come through. Um, I think, like, yes, I think bills and uh, external things and uh, external circumstances are always pressing and are always very real. But I also like to think about, I still felt scarcity when I was working nine to five jobs. You could get laid off. You're, you know, the business could go under. There's no guarantees. And I think that we create this false sense of security in, in like, when, when, when you're working a job for somebody else, you're actually putting your entire abundance and your entire, like all of those bills, all of those, whatever in that other person's hands or in that business's hands. Mm -hmm. And so I think when you're working for yourself, you put those things in your hands and in the hands of the universe. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really just about building trust in yourself and being able to surrender knowing that no situation when it comes to money or life in general is ever quote unquote, a hundred percent secure or safe or guaranteed. And that, you know, revisiting times in my life when I did take a risk and it paid off or revisiting, you know, doing a lot of like visualization or a lot of um, like physical identification with times when emails did come through and being like, okay, how can I like go and look at my bank account and say 10 things that I'm grateful for about it or think about all the beautiful things that I have been able to pay for or think about how my needs have always been met and always will be met. How can I turn that into an affirmation? How can I just really get embodied into the feeling of like when things do go right and stay in that space? Because that's, that's when I think we're rewarded is when we're able to say, I, you know, sort of put our hands up and say like, I trust you whether that's to ourselves, whether that's to a higher power, like whatever we're believing in. Um, I think that's when things actually do come through. Um, because you know, our, 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 con our consciousness will never prove us wrong. So if you're trying, 
And the thing you're trying to prove right is that you'll never have enough when you're with your own business, then that's what will happen. Um, and so I think really changing your mindset and it really is about like moving your body, moving that stagnant energy, not allowing tension to build, not allowing yourself to dwell and, and constantly going back to gratitude. Every time you're feeling scarce, just making like a list of 10 things you're grateful for, make a list of all of the needs that you have been able to meet in really scary or uncertain times in your life um, and things like that. I'm just taking all that in. <laughs> yeah, no problem. That was absolutely beautiful. So um, what you talked about, is that something that you, you talked a little bit about unearthing old feelings and new and then reflecting back? Is that part of it? Or can you talk to us a little bit about like your journey? Because you said you kind of hit another point. Can you talk to us about what you've been unearthing and um, with the old and the new and how you're reflecting back? Oh, currently? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, with the transitions that I'm in now, it, it could, I could act like the rug is being pulled out under me. I could act like, why is this happening to me? And I think that in the past, I did indulge those feelings. And I think what's different now is just I've made it my job to find and then to offer and share tools that help you in these in these in-between moments that, I, yeah, I'm always thinking about times where I felt this way and then something huge came through. Um, I'm always trying to get in, you know, sell whenever I'm thinking like, oh, nothing's coming in or this or that. I'm like, okay, but try and get settled into those that feeling that you have in your body when things have all worked out and every and everything makes sense because I think we always look back on our life well I always look back on my life and say oh I like at that time I really wanted that thing or I really thought that that thing was gonna like be the thing um, <laughs> whether it be a job or an opportunity or a relationship or whatever and then I look back like you know whether it's months or years later and be like oh I was being divinely protected when that thing dropped out of my life because I wouldn't be able to do the thing that I'm doing now. I wouldn't be able to be where I am now. And also thinking about the way that scarcity makes us really creative. Like I grew up poor with a single mother and we had to be really creative about how to go about uh, dinner or cleaning the house or paying the bills or, you know, getting things that I needed for school or whatever that meant. Um, and so being able, but like creativity requires you to be open to receiving, um, open to receiving ideas um, and open to then the initiation of those things or, or meeting them halfway. And so I think whenever, you know, especially like where I'm in, what trans transition I'm in now, I'm trying to replace, I mean, I've done so much work over the past, uh, I would say year and a half that it's hard for me to connect to a scarcity mindset anymore because, um, you know, I've used tapping like EFT, I've used meditation, I've used like music and movement and um, different forms of affirmation. And I have all of these tools now where I'm like, oh, I'm feeling this way right now. Okay, how, like, maybe I'm going to tap on it. And then if that doesn't work, I'll meditate. And, um, if that doesn't work, I'll make a gratitude list. And there's, there's always something in those tools 
that helps me bring myself back to knowing that even when, you know, the power was going to be turned out when I was a kid, or even when I was first starting out working to myself and the first month was completely dead, like no money, I was always okay. I always had a roof over my head. I was always able to eat and um, get my basic human needs met and to always just settle into that like consistent abundance that most of us in America have um, and really forget that it, that it is a luxury uh, to have those things on like a really basic level. So it sounds like definitely having the tools and developing the tools that work for you and then start doing, obviously always, always doing the work. <laughs> yes. I think a lot of the times we kind of get um, on this like negative and, and, and kind of like the ball starts rolling, right? You kind of like can't look at the good things can't, but if you don't have those tools, just like you said, I've definitely tried EFT. I love to dance in my room, having affirmations and gratitude and knowing like what's the go-to thing for me. Sometimes it's even like taking a nap. Yeah. I can't deal with my mind. I like literally have to go to sleep and then I've woken up and just felt so much better. Mm -hmm. Those things like something that will help you refresh and renew so that you're not stuck in that place. It's definitely really helpful. Um, so definitely having those tools and, and then start shifting your mindset and then you can get very creative. That's definitely something that I've done where it's like, why am I thinking that the only way to make money is this one way? Mm -hmm. Like I'm such a, because of the way I grew up and it sounds like kind of grew up the same way. I've always been very creative. I've always been able to look outside of that one thing that everyone's looking at and, and looked at def, like different things that we can do, right? There's more yeah. than one way to get this. We just got to figure out what that, thing is and be like have that faith inside of us like as children that it's going to happen we just mm -hmm. need to go and like search for it um speaking of creativity I noticed that you have uh different projects you like you said you do copywriting you do readings and then I saw something that was the manifest uh project am I right can you talk to us a little bit about that and how you've gotten creative and done like different things that still kind of like align with what you're doing right but they're, they're different things. And how does that process look for you? Yeah. So the manifestation project um, is something I am really excited about and, and very happy to be doing currently. Uh, and it's, it's about what we're talking about, right? Manifestation is the idea that um, we can have whatever we want and that when we acknowledge the desires that we have um, and follow the steps of acknowledging a desire and then surrendering it sort of to the universe uh, and letting it come to us, then we can have like whatever we want. And, and the manifestation project is uh, me using the 12 signs of the Zodiac to talk about different ways, different tools that we can use to help us in the process of manifestation. So um, for example, talking about desire and how it's really attached to worth and it's really attached to uh, ideas of scarcity and abundance and it's attached to what we think we're capable of and all these things and and tools to sort of get us realigned with what feels good and realigned with feeling worthy and feeling excited about all the possibilities before us instead of getting super narrow-minded um 
And so, yeah, like all the tools that I have to sort of keep myself in alignment with the energy that I want to feel in my body uh, are being offered through the Manifestation Project and more because I, I'm uh, interviewing, I'm also interviewing someone for each sign, a uh, different, um, a different incredible woman who is sort of embodying that energy and whose work aligns with that particular tool or lesson. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's been a really incredible journey to, to work on that. And the process of, the process of me creating anything is usually because it's something I need and it's something I need to see. Like the manifestation project came out of me being like, I really don't like the language that's being used in manifestation. I don't like the fact that people think that you can't be, uh, poor and manifest, or I don't like the idea that you, you know, someone who's traumatized or who has depression or anxiety or whatever can't, uh, positively manifest. And also just thinking that it's like, you know, that it's something that's only reserved for like Gwyneth Paltrow or, or Lady Gaga or something like, you know, people who have money and access and who are spiritual and, and this and that, and that are sort of already where they want to be in a lot of ways. And so, um, the manifestation project was definitely born out of me being like, we need more, we need more of an, a nuanced perspective on manifestation and to demystify this process. Like it's much more simple and much more about daily practices than it is about like having your daily affirmation journal and like shopping on goop and like, you know, Paulo Santoing yourself, you know, you know, all of these things, like it puts, it puts more like daily practices into context. And, um, with the other guides that I've created, like I did a Venus retrograde guide, did a Jupiter, um, Jupiter moved into Sagittarius this year. And I did a guide on that. And all of these guides are just sort of me thinking about topics or ideas that we need to be having conversations about like love and intimacy and sexuality and manifestation and spirituality. And, um, using astrology as sort of like the jumping off point to talk about those, those, uh, those topics and to also reground them into something that most of us are familiar with or that most of us can sort of personalize it with like through our sign or through our birth charts. Um, but just, yeah, basically using it, using astrology as a catalyst to have these really important conversations that I'm having in my life and that I'm thinking about in my life. And, um, like grappling with and learning and moving through. And then I really like to offer things when I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm about to be at that point where I'm going to move into a place where I'm not as connected to the part of me that didn't know how, what this was, how to implement it, what, what it could do for me. You know, that part where you're like just about to learn something. Um, when I'm on the other end of that spectrum where I'm like about to feel like I could not connect to someone who's in that space of um, of uncertainty or sort of hesitancy around that topic. That's when I know I'm like, okay, I need to start talking about this. Even if I'm still, I'm like still in that learning curve, like towards the end of that learning curve, this is when I need to be talking about this because I still want it to be able to resonate with people. I don't want to say like, I'm healed and I'm perfect and I know how to do this perfectly. And now let me show you because I know when I, look to those people. I'm like, okay, well, what can you teach me about this? Because you can't relate to where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I always try to like, my work is always born out of that place of like, I'm still learning this and still implementing this and let's do it together because I'm only a couple steps ahead of uh, a couple steps ahead of you. 
And so I can help, I can still like reach out my hand and help you. I'm not like on top of the fucking mountain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can cuss. Yeah, um, totally fine. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. So what I'm getting from you is, is that you're really powerful. So there's like a, a sense of energy of a lot of power. And I think a lot of the times I just did a, a free webinar and I talked about how a lot of the times we feel that we are so powerless, mm. that, that we have nothing to give in that moment and not recognizing, like for me, it was being in that depression. Yeah. Women of color holding ourselves to a standard where we have to be perfect or at least look like it. Mm-hmm. Vulnerable. It's, it's looked at as a weakness. And it was surrounding, um, you know, using our voice and our power and a lot of the time that's we don't allow ourselves to see, you know, to, to be seen as vulnerable, but talking to you, I don't think we, we really allow ourselves to be seen as powerful either. Mm. Right? There's always like this nice middle ground uh, where we're staying in. Yeah. And a lot of the times powerful women tend to intimidate us, right? Because we are not there yet. And we think that these powerful women are born this way instead of like really realizing how much work it took to really start owning your power. And, and that power comes from realizing like who you are and what you bring to this world and showing up when you're not perfect, but you are a, a couple of steps ahead and you are able to put that out there and help, help other people. Um, yeah. So can you talk to us a little about what, what does power mean to you and what does it mean to you to be a powerful woman? And I guess also talk about not needing to be perfect and not, not being just born this way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think when it comes to like identifying with being a powerful person or a powerful woman, I think what that means to me is just always looking for opportunities in every situation to step into a place of accountability. Like how can I take accountability in this situation? Um, how can, how can I do whatever I can do to stand in my power and, and to remain in control of myself and my own mind and my own actions and let the re- let the rest be what it is. Uh, that to me is power. It's not trying to control other people. It's not trying to impose yourself or try to like, you know, hog this pedestal. It's really just saying like, I, in every situation can control only myself. And that is what I'm going to commit myself to doing is in every situation, think about what I can do and what I can affect and how I can feel good and how I can help other people instead of slipping in, slipping back into uh, fear or making yourself small. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that when it comes to perfection, um, I don't think that there's anything about me that's perfect in the eyes of our society. Uh, not the way that I started my business, not the type of work that I'm doing, being a mixed race person, being a black person, being queer, being a woman. Like there's nothing about me that is that fits into our society's conception of perfection and so um i think that it is it has 
been liberating for me to realize like, okay, I just need to be a couple steps ahead and I just need to always be learning and I just need to always be trying to be better and always being tapped into my desires and always knowing what I want and going after it unapologetically to be the best that I can be. I don't need to be her. I don't need to be him. I don't need to have that person's money. I don't need to have that person's hair or that person's lineage and um, really just sort of owning where I am and where I'm at and what I can offer with within those things. Um, because I, I mean, I definitely think perfection is a myth. I think that we all have a version of it in different variations, right? The perfect entrepreneur or the perfect woman or the perfect, um, spokesperson or whatever that may be. And, um, I think just like (laughs) the way that I grew up, the way that I was born, the way that I am, is just like, uh, it was destined for me to be comfortable not being perfect and to be able to use that to mine and to whoever resonates with my message uh, to our advantage. So in the podcast this year, the reason that I've like been attracted to women like you is because a lot of the times my podcast has been very masculine energy. It's the hustle, hustle, go get, you know, all of that. Um, and I, and that again had to do with my upbringing. I was raised by a man. So for me to, I needed to reflect back what masculine and energy was. Um, and I think I disconnected from my femininity and not mm-hmm. really understanding how much of what I was doing was really coming from a feminine place versus a masculine. And yeah. it's my, it's my own way of bringing women on that I just, I mean, with you, I just found you right on this directory and I looked you up and it wasn't anything that I read or anything. It's just something about you vibrated with me and I reached out to you and I put it out there where I want to get in touch with my feminine energy. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to start seeing that as powerful, right? Letting go of the idea that only masculine is powerful. And that doesn't have to do with every, that was just me and my upbringing. And that was part of my evolution and the evolution of the podcast and something that I needed to share. I also thought it was important for us to go back and own our childhood because in my childhood, I was unstoppable. Mm-hmm. There was nothing that, that was not possible to me. And I wanted to reconnect to that. And I also wanted to start owning the desires that I have. And I felt like all of that correlated. So can you talk to us and on how you get you like what does femininity mean to you and how do you connect to your childhood and your desires? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I think that people associate the feminine and masculine too often with gender. And I think that the reason I love astrology so much is that it's put into context as an energy and as associated with planets and bodies and things that have nothing to do with being a human or the human experience. And for me, uh, masculinity is more about initiation and femininity is about reception and being open to receive. And so I think the issue with our world today is that we could initiate all day, every day. I mean, we have computers, we have access to everyone all the time. We can listen to podcasts all day. We can work all day into the night 
and, and just like constantly be initiating, initiating, initiating. And so having to settle back into the receptive part of yourself, or if you want to call it the feminine part of yourself is like active work. And I think that some of the harmful things about today's feminism is really pushing women to be initiative, initiative, initiative. And and that's what we're supposed to be like, never accept anything from anyone else. Never like, you know, basically go against our nature, not as women, but as humans, which is to be in balance with both of those things. Mm -hmm. Like we have to receive to give because if everything, you know, nothing is created or destroyed, it all has to sort of just flow through and back. And if you're never receiving, you're going to run out of things to give. And so I think, um, I think for me, the way that I, in, in, in entrepreneurship, the way that I try to be in my feminine is like, stop refreshing my email, stop, <laughs> like, you know, stop writing and it's like, stop when I'm writing, stop being like, okay, I need to know this. I need to do this. I need to get this done, done, done. You know, like this, right? Like, um, pushing. And instead being like, oh, nothing's coming through. I'm going to go take a walk without my headphones in. I'm going to go lay on the floor. Uh, I'm going to go breathe. I'm going to go meditate. Um, I'm going to take a bath and just do something that allows my body to receive the energy and the information around me rather than try and sit in front of my computer and push, push, push or refresh. And um, because to me, that's still the, that's an energy of scarcity. If you're refreshing your email a bunch of times, you're trying to, you're trying to, uh, you're basically like manifesting scarcity because you're like, you're focusing on what's not there, what's not there, what's not there. Mm -hmm. And so I try to just step away from that. And then in terms of childhood, I think I actually, I feel the exact opposite of your experience where when I was a kid, it was always about what we didn't have. It was always about not having enough. It was always about what, um, what was going to get turned off, what I couldn't go to, what party I I didn't have a present for, um, what thing I couldn't do with my friends because it costed too much money or whatever. And, you know, it's weird because as I transitioned, uh, so at some point, because even though there was a lot of scarcity in my childhood, I still had an Aries mother. And so she always found a way. And so that, instead of it reflecting on me as scarcity, it reflected on me as abundance, whereas I think she still ex- experiences it as scarcity, uh, as a scarcity mindset of trying to make, th- make things work, whereas it reflected back to me as, oh, things will always work out whether it be my mom or whether someone shows up or whether this or that, like things always end up being okay. And so I started to surprise myself as a teen and then into my adult, uh, adulthood that I was, you know, like, Oh, I'm just going to con like, why can't I just email this person? Or why can't I just like, of course I can, um, I can get on this TV show or I can talk to this person or I can send this email or I can do this or that because, um, whatever is meant for me will come and whatever isn't like just won't happen anyway. So, uh, I think that, that moving into feeling unstoppable for me was a transition from, uh, that perception of how things get done and moving from a scarcity to abundance mindset in that particular, um, pocket of like, 
the way that I process things and the way that I see things. Okay, and if there's one thing that we can help you with, how can we help serve you? Mm. Um, I think we can all serve each other better if we took better care of ourselves. Um, so I think the way that people can help me is whenever they're feeling upset or scared or uncertain to take a deep breath. Remember all the thing, all the incredible things that you have in your life and all the support that you have in your life and reach out if you need help. And to know that you have all the, all the tools and all of the, all the tools, all of the courses, all the things that could ever help you are all going to come back to you and what you already have within yourself. And so just remembering that. I'm Julissa Cypress. Um, my website is obsidianmoonastrology.com, obsidian like the stone. And you can also find me hanging out on Instagram at Julissa Cypress.